Hi, and welcome to the inaugural episode. My name is Cameron Gorman, and I'm qualified to read fairy tales because I can read, and I enjoy fairy tales. And here with me is my co-host, Ken Ilg. Ken? Hello! Why are you qualified to read fairy tales? I have no qualifications whatsoever, except I'm weird. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, about, that's pretty much good enough. We also have a guest host, who is my mother, Lisa Gorman. Which... Hey, and I can testify to the fact that they're both weird. <laughs> Yeah, you know. <laughs> and so basically what we're going to do on this podcast, we're not going to have a lot of frills because it's our first episode, but I hope you'll enjoy it because we are going to read fairy tales that we've screened for weirdness for the first time to each other, and then we're just going to kind of um, see how they affect the other uh, guest hosts. So I have never heard the one Ken picked, he hasn't heard the one I picked, and neither of us have actually read them before, so this is going to be sort of a... Uh, <laughs> we're going to be... What, what do you? What would you say, Ken? We're going in. We're all going to be surprised along with the audience. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So basically, uh, the source material that we're using, um, Ken, actually, where did you find this again? Oh, I bought this in a used bookstore uh, some years ago in Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio. But this is a double box set um, from 1955 of Grimm's Fairy Tales and Anderson's Fairy Tales. Published by that publishing powerhouse, Grosset and Dunlop Publishers. And so, yes, and I actually, um, these are beautiful books, first of all. Um, And I also wanted to mention that these were Julia Schaff Schaefer's books, as it says in the inside cover. And uh, these are from the 50s, so, you know, there's bound to be some borderline racist depictions in some of the books, which I've already found. Which, actually, maybe they're not borderline. They might be full-on racist. Full we're, we're not reading those ones. Well, they weren't written in the 50s. These No, I know, but the illustrations were from, were from the 50s, oh, right? Yeah, right? Well, I don't yeah. expect much out of the 50s. Well, you know, the, the reality is they belong to Julia Schaefer. So any problems <laughs> that anybody has with this podcast <laughs> or any Julia depictions Schaefer. in this podcast, they should Julia. reach out to Julia Schaefer. She doesn't have a real good record of getting back to people, so good luck to you. Yeah, I'm a little concerned about that, actually. Uh, so just you know, just to start us off, I thought I would provide some, uh, just like an audio um, record of the uh, the illustrations on the fronts of each of these books because I think it might be pertinent to your understanding of our source material. So um, in the Grimm's Fairy Tale collection, the inside cover has a beautiful portrait of men carrying a dead dragon with a huge wound in its neck uh, on stakes that you might see in like one of those. Uh, well, I guess they might have used them for hunting, and it appears as if they're going to cook the dragon. Everybody looks pretty pleased about it. And then the background, <laughs> there's one woman slowly making her way up to the castle because she probably knows something the rest of the party doesn't. So that gives us sort of a good intro into the sort of overall feel of the book, the sense of unease that's going to be present through the entire reading. Um, but as strange as that is, I actually think Ken's is worse. I'm looking at it over his shoulder, and there's one of the illustrations right there. Right, right. Uh, so a teddy bear impaled on stakes. <laughs> there's, there's a duck. Yeah. There's a duck. Well... <laughs> Yeah, so because as opposed to mine, which is sort of a straightforward fairy tale scene, Ken's is sort of a smorgasbord of horrifying images. So actually, one thing I think we can do, Ken, is maybe every episode we will pick one of these characters and construct a backstory for them. Right. So um, I say I'm we more go. I'm interested in Julia Schaefer. Well, oh, well, yeah. For Anybody why don't you? That would write her name inside such a book must have had some serious problems. And honestly, I've got, and maybe this is just because the 50s 
taught different handwriting, but it doesn't look like a child's handwriting. Does it's it? It's definitely not a child's handwriting. It's nice yeah. and it's spidery. It's yeah. crab. I'd like to know Julia a little better. <laughs> what kind of life she had. <laughs> so, okay, so I'll go first this week, and then, well, not, I shouldn't say week, because it'll probably be two weeks, but I'll go first this episode. I'm going to pick a character from this terrible inside cover. And then next time you'll pick a character. It's a montage of nightmares. You must, the montage of nightmares, construct, <laughs> wait, I think I found it, construct a backstory for this character. So I'm going to go ahead and pick way, way in the background next to this terrifying troll character with huge arms that have claws at the ends. There's one very minuscule imp that looks like it has dragon wings and a horrifying warped human body. And we can body. post an image of this in the notes, Oh, that's right? a great idea. Yeah, because right. that way that, that way it might sound less like we're just having shared hallucinations. Right. <laughs> okay, Ken, so there you, you go. That's your guy. What's oh, his story? Uh, yeah. well. Quick, quick, Ken. <laughs> <laughs> the imp. What's the imp story? Well, you know, the the imp seems to be hovering over this entire menagerie of <laughs> of weird images. So, in in my view, I mean, you got Santa Claus in here. You Santa got Santa Claus. Yeah, there's you know parrots. And so the imp. You know parrots. All right. So the imp <laughs> no, is I kind don't. of the um, the. Uh, the master of ceremonies of all this. So the imp introduces each of the stories. The mm. imp closes each of the stories. Mm. He, um, uh, the imp kind of describes the entire milieu of, <laughs> I don't of like the that. book. I like how many times you said imp, though. Yeah, there's a lot of imp in there. <laughs> all right, all right that's filling. pretty good. That's that's good. All right, so uh, yeah, so we'll do that. Um, I feel like we'll do that every time, and I feel like eventually, if we're lucky enough. We're going to start to flesh out all the characters to the point when this will start to make some kind of sense. Skipping or, over Santa Claus, because we're all familiar yeah, with Yeah, I kind of didn't realize he was there, actually. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I think it says more about Ken than it does the artist that he right away had Santa Claus jump out at him. Or Julia Schaefer. So, who wants to go first, Ken or me? Uh, well, Cameron, <laughs> I think you should go first. You're uh, expectantly holding the edition of Grimm's fairy tale. <laughs> I am. I was kind of clutching it before I asked. I think it was a rhetorical question. Uh, okay, so I'm trying to figure out... I picked it out earlier, and I'm just trying to find it. I know it has... There's actually several... I don't think this will come as any shock, but there's actually several stories in here that have the word goose in the title, mm. and I've picked one of the goose stories. I think the key uh, uh, to keep the audience interest is short and horrifying. <laughs> I think so too, and I think that this is perfect, actually. So also that similar to a goose in the verb. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Actually, short and horrifying. swans. Swans, I'm scared of. Swans. Are, what's worse, swans or geese? Take a well, swans will kill you. <laughs> That's have they ever killed people? Yes, that's yes. horrifying. They're one of the most deadly animals on the planet, and I kid you not. Can you imagine being somebody that was a relative of someone killed by a goose? So be I mean a swan. I a goose will be it. One. I lived it. Just kidding. The goose girl. There, because it was all capitalized. <laughs> Once was an old queen, whose husband had been dead for many years. Girl, <laughs> what? The <laughs> old queen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's look. We're not gonna do Already, it. I'm saying keep it down. We're not gonna do the voices. Okay, okay. I get it. All right, whose husband had been dead for many years, and she had a very beautiful daughter. When she grew up, she was betrothed or betrothed, betrothed to a prince in a distant country. 
When the time came for the maiden to be sent into this distant country to be married, the old queen packed up quantities of clothes and jewels, gold and silver, cups and ornaments, and in fact, everything suitable to a royal outfit, for she loved her daughter very dearly. So far, so good. Sweet. Sweet. So far, so sweet. Yeah. All right. This is something you might read to a child. So far. Or bed, so they would sleep well. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Well... These would be some very boring dreams, but I suppose if that's what you want. Pack up your jewels. She also sent a waiting woman to travel with her and to put her hand into that of the bridegroom. What? Yeesh. There's put where her... it all turns. <laughs> right. Look, I, I don't know. Ah, rec- get your hand out of there. What do you, wait, actually, what does that mean? Just like to She's give you off? She's handing them off, yes. right? So okay. the, the maid is uh, <laughs> escorting the bride to the bridegroom and right. handing her off. Right, okay. They each had a horse. The princess's horse was named Falada, and it could speak. <laughs> every every paragraph's getting worse. Nothing strange here. <laughs> when the hour of departure came, the old queen went to her bedroom and with a sharp little knife, cut her finger and made it bleed. Ooh. Then she held a piece of white cambric under it, okay, and let three drops of blood fall on it. This cambric she gave to her daughter and said, Dear child, take good care of this. It will stand you in good stead on the journey. Then they bade each other a sorrowful farewell. The princess hid the piece of cambric in her bosom. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> That's so Scandalous. Is that your bosom, or are you just happy to see me? <laughs> so here's my question. Yes, I, go ahead I, so far. I hate to interrupt. It's, all, it's all right. So um, they gather up all these jewels and things to give to the groom, right? Yes. As a, yeah, as a, a sort of But betrothal. if I'm the groom, and the bride's got a talking horse... That's pretty much all I'm interested in. True. She gave her a cup. Well, that's though. you. This girl's stuffing her bra. <laughs> other people are like, "Hello, she, lady." She gave her cups and ornaments. You don't want that? Cups. And it was like a full dishware. Set? What do you got over there? Well, I got some cups and ornaments. Ooh. Yeah. Anything else? Yeah. Well, I have a talking horse. He's like, they're all. <laughs> to be yeah. To be fair. Who said that? Was that now? <laughs> to be fair, I don't know what he's saying. That's uh, true. Just, I mean, yeah. you could speak it's gibberish. Very negative. Right? It could uh-huh. be all gibberish. Well, we'll conti- we'll see. We'll continue with the story yeah. and see if there's any Mr. Ed qualities that pop up. Okay, here. like it. Okay. All right. She hid it in her bosom. She mounted her horse and she Ew. set out to. Her- <laughs> this is very racy. Bosoms and mountings and horses. <laughs> we've got them out. We're through like one sentence. We can't go. <laughs> okay, and sent out to her bridegroom's country. When they had ridden for a time, the princess became very thirsty and said to the waiting woman. Get down and fetch me some water in my cup from the stream. I must have something to drink. If you are thirsty, said the waiting woman, dismount yourself. Lie down by the water and drink. I don't choose to be your servant. My, my, oh my gosh. She, good for her. Still, if you want water, go lay down and drink it. it. Get it yourself. Yeah, exactly. I'm for it, actually. So when, oh, go Did ahead. Did the horse weigh in at all? Oh, no, he's been silent so far. Okay. Taking his time, taking it all in. So in her great thirst, the princess dismounted and stooped down to the stream and drank, since she could not have her golden cup. The poor princess said, Alas, and the drops of... Oh, (laughs) and the drops of blood answered, If your mother knew this, it (gasps) would break her heart. So the drops of blood are mad that the servant stood up for herself. Says a lot about those blood drops. Yeah, apparently, also I glossed over the fact that they talk. (laughs) Yeah, take these with you. They talk and watch, and they make comments on your every move. And they make comments on how disappointed your mother is in you. Like, don't carry them into the bathroom. (laughs) 
<laughs> Don't put it in your bosom too late. <laughs> how, yeah, how do they say? Uh, what's going on there? Like, pay no mind to them. They're in my bosom. <laughs> that's her voice. Actually, no, that's her voice now. I'm changing it. Pay no mind. The royal bride was humble, so she said nothing, but mounted her horse again. Yeesh. Then they rode several miles further. But the day was warm, the sun was scorching, and the princess was soon very thirsty again. When they reached a river, she called out again to her waiting woman, Get down and give me some water in my golden cup! Somebody give me some water. Yes. I'm not a big fan of the change in uh, the change in dialect. I mean, what kingdom are these people from? Talking that horse. They would suddenly they have, have a talking s- blood drop. Yeah, so okay. The talking horse really is such yeah, a you're, big deal. You're anymore. ragging on the dialect. Kind of. <laughs> to be or fair, is this from kingdom from the southern part of the United States that they're talking? Well, about? they are pretty focused on horses. So. All right. Fine, I'll go back to the original one. <clears throat> Get down and give me some water in my golden cup. She had forgotten all about the rude words which had been said to her. Is it, is it rude or is it just people standing up for themselves? All right. But the waiting woman answered more haughtily than ever. If you want a drink, get the water for yourself. I won't be your servant. I'm like a, I'm like a waiting woman stan. I'm a hundred percent waiting woman. She's probably going to die. 50. 50%. <laughs> Being very thirsty, the princess dismounted and knelt by the flowing water. She cried, ah oh, me. And the drops of blood answered, If your mother knew this, it would break her heart. Back to Southern. Yeah, and also the same words as before, so maybe they're just like a broken record. Maybe they can't actually speak. Right. While she stooped over the water it's to like drink. like a Happy Meal oh. toy. <laughs> you press a little button, and if your mother knew this, it would break her heart. <laughs> yeah, maybe, I mean, a Happy Meal toy. The original Happy Meal toy was three do- drops of blood <laughs> that you kept in your bosom. <laughs> <laughs> only took it out when he wanted to feel bad about it. Did yourself. they take right. it out though, or did it just right. no? That was just... back when they only had one billion hamburgers. Yeah. So. <laughs> you want a, a boy toy, a girl toy, or a blood toy? <laughs> that's you know that's the best option. <laughs> While she stooped over the water to drink, the piece of cambric with the drops of blood on it fell out of her bosom and floated away on the stream. But she never noticed this in her great fear. The waiting woman, however, had seen it and rejoiced at getting more power over the bride, who by losing the drops of blood had become weak and powerless. She's a vampire. Oh, yeah, that's a big leap. You're making a pretty big leap there. <laughs> it's a, I don't know. I don't weak recall and there being a lot of vampires blood. in Grimm's fairy tales, but well, we shall I could have, you know. We shall see. It's all interpretation, I guess. Now, when she was about to mount her horse, Falada, again, the waiting woman said, By rights, Falada belongs to me. This jade will do for you. The poor little princess was obliged to give way. Is she, I mean, is she really that poor? She's still rich. Is she little? She's she going to get married. I'm I don't know how little she is. I'm starting to doubt everything about her. Well, I mean, I'm not, uh, but I'm not doubting the fact that she might be... Well, the waiting woman's really her. emerging as the villain here. Well, yeah, but she's my hero. <laughs> I like her a lot. The poor little princess was obliged to give way. Then the waiting woman, in a harsh voice, ordered her to take off her royal robes and put on her own mean garments. Finally, she forced her to swear before heaven that she would not tell a creature at the court that this had taken place. Had she not taken the oath, she would have been killed on the spot. But Falada saw all this and marked it. See, he's not talking, but he's remembering it. Mm-hmm. Um, my one question being, I don't think people know... Falada's the talking horse. I just... <laughs> I think they people really in this kingdom might have facial blindness. <laughs> and interestingly I enough... I think these pre- people's problems go way deeper than <laughs> facial blindness. Well, and interestingly enough, in the illustration in the book, the waiting woman actually does not have a face. 
Yee. So it could be easy to pull that off, I guess. The waiting woman mounted Falada and put the real bride on her poor jade, and they continued their journey. There was great rejoicing when they arrived at the castle. The prince hurried towards them and lifted the waiting woman from her horse, thinking that she was his bride. She was led upstairs, ooh, but the real princess had to stay below. The old king looked out of the window and saw the delicate, pretty creature standing in the courtyard. Ew. So he went to the bridal apartment and asked the bride about her companion who was left standing in the courtyard and wished to know who she was. I picked her up on the way and brought her with me for company. Give the girl something to do to keep her from idling. But the old king had no work for her and could not think of anything. At last he said, I have a little lad who looks after the geese. She may help him. The boy was called Little Conrad. <laughs> the real bride was sent with him to look after the geese. Soon afterward, the false bride said to the prince, Dear husband, I pray you to do me a favor. He answered, That I will gladly do. Well then, let the knacker, must be like the horse person, Well, let the knacker be called to cut off the head of the horse I rode. It angered me on the way. Really, she was afraid that the horse would speak and tell her of her treatment of the princess. So it was settled, and the faithful Falada had to die. <laughs> Any comments? Yeah, here? so well, why set it up as a talking horse when it plays no role in the now plot? Now all of a sudden right? it's mute. It hasn't, he first hasn't of all, it hasn't, said, it hasn't said a damn word. And now well, it's it getting a Ted... talk, it Now it's getting a Ted chopped off. Why even throw that in? I mean, I got really invested in the talking Did horse. You? And Is now, that your favorite character? Well, yeah. Your special horse. It's like Game of Thrones. This came to the ear of the real princess... She promised the knacker a piece of gold if he would do her a slight service. There was a great dark gateway to the town, through which she had to pass every morning and evening. I have just a one time out. Oh, good, because this what, next sentence is awful. What language were these stories originally written in? German? Because they're I think, horribly translated. Well, I mean, my, no I mean, kid is going to listen to this. So they're going to be like, well, all right, I've had enough. I will say, I will say it, I'm I don't like... scared of the dark, I can't sleep, but I want you to stop talking about the knacker. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they are originally German. If I were a little kid and somebody were reading me this, I, I would have been asleep. By the second or You wouldn't have heard the part where Falada got his head chopped? Nope. Would you wake back up? I would. No, no. Well, Falada had to die. Right. <laughs> there Why? Was, Why did Falada I was about to, to die? Because are we the, all supposed to be like, oh yeah, Falada had it coming? <laughs> no, it was you. Are you? You've been listening. You know. I shan't go through this again. <laughs> all right. She promised the knacker a piece of gold if he would do her a slight service. There was a great dark gateway to the town through which she had to pass every morning and evening. Would he nail up Falada's head in this gateway so that she Jesus. might see him as she passed oh before he God. decomposes? I guess. Oh, did you add the yes. before he decomposes? I mean, I'm Jesus. just. I, yes. <laughs> I would love it though. <laughs> I mean, uh, paragraph. <laughs> Parentheticals, right? The knacker promised to do as she wished, and when the horse's head was cut off, anticlimactic. He hung it up in the dark gateway. In the early morning, when she and Conrad went through the gateway, she said in passing, Alas, dear Falada, there thou hangest. And the head answered, Alas, queen's daughter, there Wait, thou... now it starts to yep, talk it's when dead, it's been yeah. disembodied. <laughs> you interrupted him. <laughs> Alas, queen's daughter, there thou gangest. If thy mother knew thy fate, her heart would break with grief so great. So that's just Ooh, a normal a morning. Yeah, just a normal morning. Okay. <laughs> On the way to the market or wherever they're going. <laughs> then they passed on out of the town. So it doesn't say how the kid, I mean. Oh, Conrad? It, yeah. Right, Conrad, does he freak out at <laughs> he's all? Fine he's with like, this. he's walking through a dark tunnel and the bloody <laughs> head of a decapitated horse starts talking, but Good Conrad poetry. doesn't. 
<laughs> like Conrad doesn't have any reaction to this. Well, Conrad's the, the knacker, whatever that means. Conrad's not the knacker. The oh, knacker... you're right. Sorry, he's the goose boy. Yeah. The goose right. boy. <laughs> right. I'm sorry about that, Conrad. How could I ever conflate the two? But it doesn't say anything about Conrad's oh, no. reaction oh, in the text. No, Conrad's just the goose boy. He doesn't. Because Conrad's probably as freaked out as the kids who are listening to this boy <laughs> in your or... beds. <laughs> yeah. This is the kid's introduction to the Godfather. <laughs> Maybe see. that's where they got the idea. Then they passed on out of town and right into the fields with the geese. They're finally, finally the geese. When they reached the meadow, the princess sat down on the grass and let down her hair. It shone like pure gold, and when little Conrad saw it, he was so delighted that he wanted to pluck some out. But she said, Blow, blow, little breeze, and Conrad's hat seize. Let him join in the chase while away it is whirled, till my tresses are curled and I rest in my place. Then a strong wind sprang up, which blew away Conrad's hat right over the fields, and he had to run after it. When he came back, she finished. She had finished combing her hair, and it was all put up again, so he could not get a single hair. It's really, he really wants to pull her hair out. <laughs> this made him very sulky, and he would not say another word to her. And they tended the geese till evening, when they went home. Next morning, when they passed under the gateway, what do you think is going to happen, you guys? I think there's going to be another horse head. <laughs> Well, it's the same. It's the same head, but <laughs> once again, the princess said, "Alas, dear Falada, there thou hangest." And Falada answered, "Alas, queen's daughter, there thou gangest. If thy mother knew thy fate, her heart would break with grief so great." And here's an illustration of a crying dead horse with his tongue sticking out, head being nailed to a wall. Yikes! I would have loved to just have the be in the room for the commission of that drawing. <laughs> again, when they reached the meadows, the princess undid her hair and began combing it. Conrad ran to pluck some out, but she said quickly, Blow, blow, little breeze, and Conrad's hat seize. Let him join the chase while the way it is whirled, till my tresses are curled and I rest in my place. So a lot of this is just the same poem over and over again, is what I'm gathering. It's all right. We'll keep going. We'll, 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 we'll keep trucking. The wind again sprang up and blew Conrad's hat far away over the fields, and he had to run after it. When he came back, the hair was all put up in the same stuff over and over. And he could not pull out a single hair. Okay. And they tended the geese till the evening. When they got home, Conrad went to the old king and said, I won't tend the geese with that maiden again. Why not? asked the king. Oh, she vexes me every day. Meaning, she won't let me flirt t with her. Ew. Hashtag, well, that's what it means, basically. He's saying I'm mad because she won't let me pull her hair out. Ugh, the whole story. If I were a kid, I'd be like, that's enough. <laughs> I don't want to be read to. Just leave. How many kids do you think listen to this and were like, oh, that makes sense. Now I, I know how to act around a lady now. <laughs> <laughs> that's, so, the old king then ordered him to tell what she did to vex him. Conrad said, in the morning when we pass under the dark gateway with the geese, she talks to a horse's head, which is hung up on the wall. Oh, there's his There's his only statement on it. Okay. She says, oh, God, not again. Alas, Falada, there thou hangest. And the head answers, Alas, queen's daughter, there thou gangest. If thy mother knew thy fate, her heart would break with grief so great. Then Conrad went on to tell the king all that had happened in the meadow, and how he had to run after his hat in the wind. Wow, that's a lot of, a lot of trouble you went through, Conrad, you entitled brat. The old king ordered Conrad to go out the next day as usual. Then he placed himself behind the dark gateway and heard the princess speaking to Falada's head. He also followed her into the field and hid himself behind a bush, and with his own eyes he saw the goose girl and the lad come driving the geese into the field. Then after a time he saw the girl let down her hair, which glittered in the sun. Oh my... You read it this time, Ken. I can't do it again. It's the yeah, same thing again. 
<laughs> blow, blow, little breeze, and Conrad's hat seize. Let him join in the chase while away it is whirled till my tresses are curled and I rest in my place. Thank you so much. If I had to do it, I couldn't do it again. He sounded exactly like I thought it would sound. Yeah, it sounded just like yeah. me, too. That's the weird part. <laughs> then came a puff of wind which carried off Conrad's hat, and he had to run after it again and again and again. While he was away, the maiden combed and did up her hair, and all, and all this the old king observed. Thereupon he went away unnoticed, and in the evening when the goose girl came home, he called her aside and asked her why she did all these things. I may not tell you that, nor may I tell any human creature, for I have sworn it under the open sky. If I had not done so, I should have lost my life. He pressed her sorely and gave her no peace, but he could not get anything out of her. Then he said, If you won't tell me, then tell your sorrows to the iron stove there. And he went away. <laughs> oh what my is... god, tell me the iron stove can talk to <laughs> Well, see, I was a little worried when I read that 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 meant he was going to torture her or something. Uh, and the weird thing is, all these things can talk, but no one has anything interesting to say. <laughs> all these things can talk, but the only dialogue is the same two poses over and over. So, okay, she crept up to the stove and, beginning to weep and lament, unburdened her heart to it and said, Here I am, forsaken by all the... Wait, oh. Here I am, forsaken by all the world, and yet I am a princess, a false waiting woman brought to me to such a pass that I had to take off my royal robes. Then she took my place with my bridegroom while I have had to do mean service as a goose girl. If my mother knew it, this is like it would break salad. her heart. And it's... <laughs> it really is. Mean service mean as a goose service girl. Mean service as a goose girl. <laughs> also, I just... Everyone in this story is so entitled. Right. Like, she's like, oh, God, I have to have a job. I have to get my mother's my horse heart to drink. Would... <laughs> right. <laughs> she, well, she was so mad about getting out of her horse to drink, and now she's mad she has a job. I mean, honestly. <sighs> At least the iron stove seems like it cares. The old king stood outside by the pipes of the stove and heard all that she said. Then he came back and told her to go away from the stove. He, called, he caused royal robes to be put upon her, and her beauty was a marvel. The old king called his son and told him that he had a false bride. She was only a waiting woman, but the true bride was here. The so-called, I'm doing air quotes, so-called goose girl. The young prince was charmed with her youth and beauty. A great banquet was prepared, to which all the courtiers and good friends were bidden. The bridegroom sat at the head of the table with the princess on one side and the waiting woman at the other, but he, she was dazzled and did not recognize the princess in her brilliant apparel. When they had eaten and drunk and were all very merry, the old king put a riddle to the waiting woman. What does a person deserve who deceives his master? Then he told the whole story and ended by asking, What doom does he deserve? He deserves freedom! Freedom! The false bride answered, No, no, wait, no better than this. He must be put stark naked into a barrel stuck with nails. That's what I was going to suggest and be dra- in the beginning, actually. We could have just skipped to that, because I was thinking, he must be put stark naked into a barrel <laughs> filled with nails. But I, I, I didn't want to spoil any of the endings or actually impose my own personal preference. You know what's making me sad, though? It's like... I feel like he's kind of setting her up, and she should have seen through it and been like, what doom does she does he deserve? And she should have been like, uh, a nice soft bed and a barrel of mead. <laughs> All right. No better than this. He must be put stark naked into a barrel stuck with nails and be dragged along by two white horses from one street till, to street till he is dead. Then that is your own doom, said the king, and the judgment shall be carried out. When the sentence was fulfilled, the young prince married his true bride, and they ruled their kingdom together in peace and happiness. 
So, you know, the happiness that only comes after killing someone by dragging them along the streets in a barrel stuck with nails for the yeah. crime of wanting to have a better station in life. So that's kind of the theme of the podcast, is that these people should keep in mind that these are stories that were meant to be read to children. Right, yes. So what lessons have we oh, learned from this story? that's a great idea, Ken. And so my number one lesson, actually I have a few, and we can go all around. One lesson that I learned is that if you hope for a better life, if you're not born into royalty, you might as well be executed. That's one lesson that I learned. Another lesson is you can't stick up for yourself, even when your princess is super, super conceited and spoiled. <laughs> and uh, I guess another lesson I learned is that um, a normal way to have a crush on someone is want to pull all their hair out. <laughs> what about you? What are, what are some things you learned? Well, the things I focus on are the <laughs> things that... Um, if I was a child and um, my parent comes to me and is like, I'm going to read you a story that will calm you down and allow you to sleep. In this story, um, the uh, horse is beheaded <laughs> and at the end, uh, the person who was lo in a lower station was dragged through the streets in a bear of nails and killed. Yeah. Good night. <laughs> That's how you get interesting dreams. And what, do you have any uh, Yeah, takeaways? I kind of agree with you. The, the moral of the story is stay in your lane. Yeah, which is horrible. Stay really, in your lane unless you want to literally be killed. And if you go outside your lane, you're going to go through tunnels and have all kinds of unspeakable horrors. <laughs> you're going to have be paranoid because your mother's going to send her blood with you to spy on everything that you do. I wonder what happened it's to the just, mom. Her heart was breaking like 20 times. Yeah, just so I, I think that's kind of like behave. Yeah. Uh, I will just say um, the capital B. I I will say uh, waiting woman is my hero of the story. Unfairly put to death for being for hustling. Right. And uh, I'm all for her. And maybe I'll write a follow up to this in which she comes back from the dead and haunts both of them. And the children, they would be equally as unsettled as the kids that had to withstand this. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how psychology was born. <laughs> So we got all the way to the origins of psychology, and uh, I think we'll, we'll switch it up. Thanks so much for listening to the first episode of our podcast. Please subscribe and rate if you can. Five stars would make my entire year. Um, and we'll see you next time for some more really, really weird stories.